let's stand out of respect for the Word of God, Mark chapter 14. And if you're visiting with us today, we have a, a, a copy of the outline in the bulletin this morning, and hopefully you receive one of those on the way in. And if not, if you just raise your hand, one of our ushers can get you a copy of that, but we want to make sure that everybody has that. And so uh, here's a hand right here. Anybody else needs a copy of the outline? Just slip your hand up. And I uh, want to make sure that everybody has one. Mark chapter 14 this morning. And uh, with that song this morning helping us understand this passage a little bit, the thought this morning and the title of the message is, Are You Doing All That You Can? Are You Doing What You Can? Mark chapter 14, if you read along with me this morning, beginning in verse number 3, we'll read down to verse number 9. The Bible says, Being in Bethany and the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard, very precious. And she break the box and pour it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye, ye will, ye may do good to them, but me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Let's pray this morning. Lord, thank you for this woman's life, her testimony, the act that she performed on our Lord and Savior. And Lord, I pray that you'd open our eyes this morning, that our hearts would be open to the truth. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to everyone here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I think about our theme for the year, choose. It's something that not only this year, but in many days of my life, this thought is always before us because every day we make choices. Life is full of choices. Where we end up in life is all a determination of the choices that we make. Some of you chose to come here to church today. Some are visiting our church today. These are all choices. You chose what to wear this morning. Well, maybe your wife did for you. I don't know. Uh, I, I always get dressed in the dark, so it's amazing that whenever I come up to church that it matches. But nonetheless, we choose. I think all of us would agree to this, that does not God deserve our very best? Isn't he worthy of the best that we have? A lot of times people say, well, pastor, I, I want you to come to your church, but I, I just don't have much. You know what I tell people? Listen, just give God your best. Just give God your best. Who are we to judge? We ought to be a people that want to do our very best. I want to relate to you a true story, an account that took place back in 1860, in the month of September, and of course this is coming up on the anniversary of an incident that took place 
with the steamship, the Lady Elgin. Back on September the 8th, after a day of spending time, they, they went from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, down to Chicago on the 7th of September. And when they were there, the, 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 the weather started to turn. And of course, if you know anything, if you ever lived up in that part of the country, those lakes, the effects on those lakes can become very devastating. The winds began to blow and they, they, they say that it was estimated they were gale force winds on the lake that day. There were, the seas began to be turbulent, but for some reason they encouraged Pastor Wilson of the steamship Lady Elgin to set out from Chicago to go back to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And so Captain Jack Wilson did that. He listened to the weather reports, but despite that, the Lady Elgin set out, began to sail back up the lake, and she was seven miles outside of Chicago when all of a sudden, through this violent storm, she was rammed by a schooner that was known as the Augusta. Within 20 minutes of being hit, the Lady Elgin had split in two, the lifeboats that were aboard Lady Elgin were separated from many of the passengers. Many of the passengers were in the water. They were all around. It was, it was nighttime. It was dark. However, the water was warm, but there were people everywhere, and the ship, 20 minutes after it was hit, was already at the bottom of that, that lake. There were people swimming everywhere. They were out on the lake. Many of them were looking for debris, something from the ship that they could grab, they could cling on to, that they could save their own lives. They say that there were about 500 to 700 passengers that in those dark night hours that were out there floating on the lake. After all this was going on, the news at that time somehow got out. News began to break. A lot of the college students from the Chicago area and many other people started to make their way to the site that was closest to where all these people were in the water. One of those men, he and his brother got there. The man's name was Edward Spencer. When Edward Spencer got there, he was not a, an Olympic swimmer. He was not an accomplished swimmer, but nonetheless, Edward Spencer saw the need in all these people that their lives were going to end if somebody didn't do something. So Edward Spencer, in spite of what his brother said, he jumped into the water and he began to swim out until he, he, he either felt or saw someone that was in the dark waters and he grabbed onto them and he began to make his way back to the shoreline. He brought that person that he found and he brought him up on the shore where other people kind of cared for them and then Edward Spencer went right back out into the water. He would swim until he found another person. He made his way back to the shoreline. Then he got back in the water. He went out, found another person, came back in. He went out, he came back in. He went out, he came back in. 18 times Edward Spencer did this. Through those violent waters. Every time people would say to him, Edward, it's enough. Edward, you better stay here. Edward, you better make sure that you can make it out to someone. If you're not going to be able to, don't go out again. After all of that was over with, and he had got the 18th person to the shore, Edward Spencer collapsed right there on the shoreline. They took him by ambulance, took him to the closest hospital. They got him into his room. They began to give him some medical attention. They began to meet whatever needs he had to bring him around. 
to resuscitate him if he needed to be, to get the proper fluids into him, to take care of him, to get him warm. And Edward Spencer lay in that hospital after collapsing, after saving 18 people's lives from perishing. And when Edward Spencer came to, they said that the first words that Edward Spencer said to the nurse were these five words, did I do my best? Did I do my best? Can you say this morning that you're doing your best for the Lord? Are you doing what God would have you to do? Because we all know, if you study the Bible, that according to the Word of God, all, all of us one day will give an account to the Lord of the life that we live. Look what the Bible says this morning. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes, but know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. You see, every one of us one day, we will all stand and give an account of our lives. But in our passage this morning, can I tell you that Jesus gives an account of the life of one woman. He gives an account of things in this woman's life that I believe that we need to take note of because here's what Jesus said about this woman. She hath done that which she could. And again, the question is, are you doing what you can? I want you to notice one of the elements about this woman's life was that she had a precious vessel. A precious vessel. Now, no doubt this morning I have a precious vessel here. Uh, to someone at some time, this probably was a very nice vessel. As a matter of fact, like this woman, notice that she had an exquisite vase. Uh, or if you're from a different part of the country, vase. But she had something that was exquisite to her. It was something that was precious to her. Maybe it was a family heirloom, but no doubt it meant a lot to her. And the Bible records that it was a, an, a box made of alabaster. And I will tell you that as I studied this morning, and most of you can see this morning, I don't know exactly what shape the box was. I don't really believe anybody does. But the word box actually means vase. It can mean a, a, a flask. It, in other words, a container, something that something could be put into. We talked about that last week how that oftentimes they would have certain types of things. But listen, this wasn't just any old piece of pottery or alabaster. This was something that to her was not only an exquisite vase, but it was something that had an extravagant value. Verse 3 says that it was very precious. If you look in the Bible there, in verse number 5, it actually says about this, this vase, this box, that it could have been sold for 300 pence. <clears throat> now, honestly for us, 
If you don't understand biblical terms, the word pence doesn't mean a lot to you. But does the word penny mean anything to you this morning? Most of us, you know what we do with pennies? We just throw them away, right? Do you know that a pence was like a penny? And do you know that people in Bible times, New Testament times, they worked, listen, all day for a pence. All day for a penny. How many of you want to go out tomorrow and work all day for a penny? Do I see anybody? No. Now think about that. It could have been sold for how much? 300 pence. That's 300 days worth of work. I don't know if those were eight-hour days, 10-hour days, 12-hour days, but are you starting to get the understanding that this was something that was of extravagant value? It was worth a lot of money. They say that in today's economy, it would be worth about $15,000, this little box of alabaster and the contents that is inside of it. You see, we see that she had an exquisite vase. It was an extravagant value, but notice that she brought that box, that alabaster box, and made an explicit visit. When she came and what she did in the passage that we read this morning, there was no doubt, it was clear, it was easy to understand exactly what she came to do. And by the way, remember where Jesus was. He was in Simon's house, and Simon was a leper. Now think about that. If you know anything about leprosy, I don't think many of us are going to go hang out with a leper today. But according to the passage, she came into the house of a leper. Why did she do that? Because she came to give to the Lord. We pass the offering plates in our church services, and I know that people have different ideas, but can I tell you that everything that you have comes down from above, that all of it is a blessing of God, that, listen, everything that you have, without God, we are nothing. And God blesses our lives, and many times we, we think about this, that when you come, listen, there not only your, your resources, but even your time, you're giving of that this morning to be in the Lord's house. Sometimes it would be the talent, I wish I could sing like my daughter. Somehow that gene passed me by. But here's the thing is, this we need to see this morning, is she came to give to the Lord. She came to do something for Jesus. And, and the question this morning is, look here, she gave this alabaster box worth 300 pence. She gave it to the Lord. I wonder this morning, does God have your alabaster box? Does God have what's most precious to you this morning? You say, well, I don't know about that, Pastor. It's all good for that lady, but what do you mean by does God have my alabaster box? Does God have your life? Does God have your time, your attention? Does God have your possessions? Does God have your talents? What is it in your life that God can't have? You know, that we all have things that we say, listen, that's mine. We're like those little kids in the nursery. Those kids in the nursery, they came into church. Maybe their mom brought a diaper bag full of diapers and formula and baby wipes, but they, they don't come to church many times with any toys or any possessions, but yet when they get in there, everything they say is, that's mine, that's mine. 
and we get the same way in our lives. But again, Jesus said, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. It's amazing in our lives, and by the way, I'm guilty of this too. It's amazing how we become so protective of things that don't belong to us. They belong to God. Every good gift cometh down from above. They belong to God, but we can become so possessive. Look, can I tell you this morning, and I'm not trying to manipulate you this morning, but I can tell you this, that God can take away your alabaster box, whatever it is, before you have an opportunity to give it to Him freely. This woman, she came. She came to give this precious vessel and the contents that were on the inside of it. And I see this precious vessel, but secondly, I see a personal veneration. Jesus expresses to her how much he cares about what she did. But listen, why did she come? Because she had respect for the Lord. Because she wanted to reverence the Lord. Look at this. I see, first of all, it was a gripping scene. As she came into the house, look, all the attention in this passage was all on Jesus. After all, they'd been hearing about this one named Jesus of Nazareth. This one that was performing miracles. This one that had done so many things that no one could explain. But now, Jesus is sitting, get a hold of this, he's sitting and eating with Simon the leper. Most people wouldn't spend one minute with a leper. But Jesus pushed away all of that. Jesus is sitting there, and no doubt everybody is focused on him. Everybody's paying attention. I mean, no doubt everything Jesus did, people are watching. When all of a sudden, this woman, this no-name woman in this passage comes in with this vessel. I don't know if anybody noticed her because I believe the focus was on the Lord. She slips into the house. She comes with that vessel. <laughs> look, she's not going to come in and say, hey, look what I got. Hey, guess how much this is worth? Hey, guess how long it took me to, to, to get the amount that's in this alabaster box? She wouldn't say that. You know why? Because it was very extravagant. It was very valuable. She's not going to tell anybody that she has it because somebody might take it away. From, somebody might rob her of that. She comes into this house, and as she comes in to pay her respects and to reverence the Lord, look, she's not flaunting, but all of a sudden the Bible says she broke the box. Now, again, you, you're going to have to maybe uh, give me a little bit of latitude here. I don't believe I'm off on this, but... If this were the alabaster box, whatever shape it's in, the Bible says that she broke it and she poured it on his what? In this passage, it says on his head. Now, I understand, maybe she was good at, and again, this give me a little attitude, maybe there was some type of a neck on it, and maybe she somehow broke it to where the, the, the actual box was still intact, and she was able to pour it out on his head. But if you study it out, many of these, especially because the ointments were so valuable, what they would do is once they filled it up or put it into the alabaster box, they would put a seal on it. Many times it was a wax seal. And many believe that 
Maybe what she did instead of breaking this alabaster box was she somehow pried the seal off of it. And when she did that, something happened. Have any of you ever been to what I call smelly stores? Kirkland's? You know those kind of stores, when I walk in, I get an immediate headache from the smells. I walk in, my nose, my head is pounding. My wife's going, isn't this nice? Look at this. Wouldn't this go... What, this would go good in our living room. And I'm like, I can't see anything. My head is going, wah, 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 wah. Because of the smell. Now, I will tell you, if it's just one smell. My wife brought home a, one of those fall candles yesterday. And she, we're getting a little ahead of the game, I think. You know, maybe it's getting into fall. But she brought one of those home, and she put it in, over there on the counter, and she lit it, and before long... We could smell that one smell. That's why places like that drive me crazy because it's not one smell. It's like 50 smells, 500 smells. It's like going to the perfume counter at one of these department stores. And you're like, whoa, you know, get me out of here. Buy whatever you want. I'll be over in the men's section, you know. But listen, you have to understand that she comes into the house. She doesn't make a big deal out of who she is. You know why? Because it's not about her. She doesn't flaunt what she has. But when she came and she broke that box, the smell, the aroma, the odor of what was inside, according to a parallel passage, John 12, it filled the house. Filled the house. All of a sudden, look here, everybody's focused on Jesus and then all of a sudden, they smell something, and they turn, and here's this woman, and they, they heard. Now, again, if she broke it, they might have heard the breaking, but then immediately the smell got their attention. The Bible says it filled all the house. Now the attention was not on Jesus, it was on the perfume. We really don't make much of ourselves. Listen, we really don't make much of the difference in our lives until we are broken. See, the difference was after she broke the box, after she broke the seal, whatever happened there, that was the difference. That's what they began to smell. Can I tell you this morning that no matter what you think of yourselves, your life does matter to God. Look at the Bible says here this morning, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You know what God's looking for this morning? The same thing that Jesus saw in this woman. The Bible says in Psalm 51, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Look at this, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, wilt thou not despise. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Do you remember in the Bible, the feeding of the 5,000? Remember how all the people were around on the shore and, and they, were, they, had, they had spent time with Jesus and they were all hungry. Nobody had any food to eat. And remember the disciples, they were trying to figure this thing out. That's the way they always were, just like you and I. They were trying to figure it out. And then one of the disciples said, hey, there is a boy here that's brought his lunch. 
But what is that among so many? And so Jesus, somehow, they bring this little lad, and he's got five loaves and two fishes. And so here he is, he's, he's got his, 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 his lunch, Did I, say, I said that backwards, didn't I? So he's got his lunch, and, and it's not much, it's just a little bitty lunch. By the way, you think about it, it was all that that mom packed for her little boy to have for that day. I mean, it was enough for him, but it wasn't enough for that crowd that had, that had spent all that time with Jesus. And as a result of that, Jesus says, here, let me have that lunch. And I love the fact the Bible doesn't record but somehow that little boy, he just gave, he gave to the Lord, and the Lord took his lunch. Now the disciples are looking at him like, what's he going to do with that? Remember what the Lord did? He took that lunch, and he blessed it, and then he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. And his disciples took what he gave to them, and they began to distribute to the people, and the Bible says that they ate to the full, and there were basketfuls left over, all because it was broken. It was broken. God took it, and he broke it, and he blessed it, and he gave it to them. Listen, can I tell you this morning that that boy's lunch, it would not feed that crowd until the Lord broke it. You think about Jesus, and you heard in the song this morning, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ was broken for us. Why? So that you and I could have a home in heaven someday. The Bible says in Mark 14, 22, as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them and said, take, eat. This is my body. Jesus gave his life so that we might have a home in heaven someday. Look, this, the question this morning is, like this woman, is your life, is your will broken? And the reason that it has to be broken is because God cannot use you until you are willing to be broken for God. You see, I see this morning that there was a vessel that she brought. It was precious and that there was a personal veneration in this gripping scene but as she came I see a glorifying service she broke the box and she poured it on his head she didn't keep anything back she didn't say hey look I'm going to give half of it to the Lord no she poured it out on the Lord what we try to do a lot of times is we want to calculate give me a calculator so I can figure out what I can give to the Lord oftentimes we want to keep back something for ourselves Look, we try to ne negotiate with God. You know what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus said in Luke chapter number 4, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. See, isn't, again, I said this this morning as introduction, isn't God worthy of our all? Isn't God worthy of everything? This woman had no problem taking something that was so valuable, so precious, and breaking it and giving all of it to the Lord. See, I see a personal veneration here because she understood without God, she has nothing and she is nothing. And the same is true about us this morning. But with all this going on, with this woman coming in and, and, and having this precious vessel with its precious contents, 
and this act that she performed. Uh, notice thirdly, I see a public venting. Now, anything you do for the Lord. I mean, I can remember, I can remember before I got saved that when we were dating, my wife, she used to, she used to write out her tithe check to the Lord. And I, I used to remember that when I would see that, I would say, you're giving that much to church? And she would say to me, no, she says, it's the Lord's. I'm just giving it to the Lord. And I mean, we had many discussions. Can I tell you, I never won any of those discussions. Can I tell you, in 33 years of marriage, I've never won any discussion. Because when mama's happy, everybody's happy. But there were some people that were there at Simon's house that day that when she broke that alabaster box, they were not happy. Now, it's interesting how it unfolds because it begins with a haughty spirit. Look at verse number four, what the Bible says here. The Bible says, and there were some that had indignation, notice the word, within themselves. And said, why was this waste of the ointment made? Now, look, I'm not going to ask you, but some of you probably have read the same thing in the passage and thought to yourself, wow. I mean, what a waste. I mean, that was 300 days worth of work. I mean, couldn't, she could have bought, bought a new car. She could have bought a new house. I mean, there's a lot of things she could have bought. Listen, folks, haven't you figured it out by now? Things don't bring happiness. Only the Lord makes a person happy. And this woman came to give to the Lord. But as she came, there was these people that were there. And by the way, Jesus is God. He knew they were going to be there. And the Bible says that they had indignation within themselves. Now, look, they didn't voice it out loud. But look, have you ever seen somebody that they don't say anything, but just by their body language and their expressions, you know they're not happy? Huh. Huh. You know, I, I see it all the time. You don't have to say anything. I get it. You don't agree with what the woman just did. But can I tell you, it wasn't your vase. It wasn't your alabaster box. It wasn't your ointment. It was hers. God had given it to her. She could do whatever she wanted for the Lord with it. It doesn't matter what other people think. But there were people that had indignation. Look, folks. We've got to guard our spirit. You've got to be careful, especially as a Christian. We might look right, we might act right, but within we might be full of dead men's bones. I mean, inside is the heart. People say things sometimes and they're like, oh, I don't know where that came from. Out of the heart comes the issues of life. Think about it this morning. God looks at the spirit of a man. The inner man, the Bible describes. Look at Proverbs 20 this morning. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching in all the inward parts of the belly. Look, God knows what's in your heart. When these people within themselves had indignation against this woman, look, Jesus knew what they were thinking. They didn't have to say it. That haughty spirit was not pleasing to the Lord. And so what happens after they, they display that spirit? Notice they had a half-hearted suggestion. Now, this is interesting. Look at verse 5. The Bible says, For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. Now, 
John, if you study another passage in the Word of God here in the New Testament, John identifies this individual that made that suggestion was Judas. You know, the one that had the bag, right? Judas was all about money. Remember, he's the one that sold out the Lord for how much? 30 pieces of silver, right? The Bible says here in John 12, he, this he said, not that he cared for the poor. He didn't make that statement because he wanted to give to the poor, because he had compassion on the poor. The Bible says he said this because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Judas somehow was trying to spiritualize his sin. He was trying to act like some super Christian. Boy, that was such a waste. I can't believe she did that. Because if we could have scooped that up, put that back in there, we could have gone and taken care of some people that didn't have things. But listen, a lot of times that's exactly what we do. We try to spiritualize sin in our lives. I run into people sometimes and I talk to them. I've even been in church sometimes and had people say to me, listen, I'm not going to come back anymore. I've talked to people out in public. I don't come to church. I don't believe in organized religion. And I'll say to them, well, do you worship the Lord anywhere? Well, sure I do. Some people say, I worship the Lord in my home. I worship the Lord at the lake. Really? Well, let me ask you, when you worship the Lord at home, do you assemble yourselves together? Because the Bible says there ought to be an assembling of yourselves together. When you're on the lake, do you assemble yourselves together? When you're at home, do you take up a collection for the saints? Uh, Do you take an offering for the Lord? The Bible says upon the first day of the week, uh, let every one of you lay by him which is in store as God has prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. You see, folks, listen, many times we make suggestions, but the bottom line is, we really don't care. We don't care. Like, just like those that sat there with indignation within themselves, they didn't care about the poor. Matter of fact, you studied out, I think Judas was making the suggestion because he wanted the money. He says, look, I would have rather had what, he put, what she poured out on the Lord instead of her wasting it the way she did. See, these people had a haughty spirit. They had a half-hearted suggestion, but then it came with a hateful speech. Because the Bible says at the end of verse number five, they murmured against her. I mean, they might not have said it out loud, but Jesus understood it. Remember, God hears everything that we say and everything that we don't say. The Bible calls it idle words. Look what James said about this in James chapter three. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. When you were a kid growing up, did you ever hear people say that little statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Words will never hurt me. Can I tell you, words are damaging. Words are hurtful. And by the way, Once they've come out of this, you can't ever put them back in. A lot of marriages have struggled over the years because of hateful, hurtful words that have been said. See, words are something that hurt us. And the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. You see, here's this woman. She came. Why did she come? She came to give to the Lord. She came to 
reverence the Lord, to pay her respects to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when she came, look, there were people that were not happy with what she did. But I want you to see the last thing this morning because I see a praised virtue. Look back in our passage in verse number six. The Bible says, Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye, ye may, you, you may do good unto them, but me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. It's interesting, when you look at what Jesus said, I mean, look, everybody was paying attention to the woman, but you know what I think we need to pay attention to in this passage is, we need to pay attention to Jesus' response to what this woman did. Look at, first of all, what he did. I see the commendation. Jesus recognized what the woman did. He sees what she did. And by the way, God will see everything that you do in your life. Mark chapter 12, the Bible says, He called unto him his disciples, and he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow, remember that story about the widow with the two mites? Remember what the disciples were doing? They were standing over where they could see what people were putting in. And here comes all these rich people, and they're putting in all this money. And here comes this little bitty woman. And she drops in two mites. You can just hear it like two pennies hitting the bottom of a can. And even the disciples probably thought to themselves, is that all she's putting in? Remember, the Bible says she put in all her living. That's all she had. You know what she gave that day? She gave everything. What did the rich people give? Just a portion. That woman gave everything. What did this woman give to Jesus that day? She gave all of what she had to the Lord. And Jesus commends her. He recognizes her. God sees you this morning as you, you serve the Lord, as you're here in church. God sees some of our folks as they greet people when they come through the doors. God sees those who are in the nursery right now watching those wonderful little angels that are in the nursery. God sees you whenever you're cleaning around the church, and God sees you when you're practicing for the choir on a Saturday, and God sees all these things. And the Bible says this, God is not unrighteous to forget your work, and labor of love which ye have showed toward his name in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Look, I'm going to tell you this, something this morning. The one thing that ought to motivate you to do what you do for the Lord is because you're doing it for him. You're not doing it to be seen of men. You're doing it because of your love for him. And that's exactly why this woman did what she did was because she loved the Lord. She loved what he had done for her. And so Jesus commends her. He recognized her act. But notice the com commendation was followed by the commemoration. Look in verse number 8. The Bible says, she had done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Have you studied your Bible? Here we are in Mark 14. There's only two more chapters in the Gospel of Mark. We are very close to where Jesus was going to make that trip and go through all those trials and go to the place called Calvary, Golgotha, the place of the skull. And as you think about that, 
This woman came and she anointed Jesus. She anointed him against his burial. She actually anointed him before he was crucified. And the Bible records here that Jesus voices his approval because he says she hath done what she could. He rewarded the faith of this woman. She had anointed the anointed one. She came to anoint his body. This woman had a chance to do something for the Lord. She didn't wait. She didn't put it off. She did what she could at that time. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If you would ask her, hey, if you could go back and get that box and get what was in that box, would you take it back? I'll tell you, she would say to you, no way, Jose. I'll never regret what I did for the Lord. I'll never regret giving to the Lord. I'll never regret serving the Lord. I'm glad I did what I did for the Lord because if she would have waited, she would have never got the opportunity. Hey, you remember when Jesus was crucified and they went to the temple, that, the tomb that day, and as they got to the tomb, remember what happened? The stone was rolled away. What were they going there to do? To anoint his body. They had the spices. They had everything prepared. They never got the opportunity to anoint the body of Jesus. But this woman did before he even went to the cross. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something. That's why Jesus commemorated what she did. He rewarded her faith. I'm going to tell you, there's going to come a day where people in hell, just like those recorded in the Word of God, they're going to say, hey, listen, I wish I would have put my faith in Christ, but it'll be too late. The Bible says, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now... Now, not tomorrow, not next week, not next year, not when you fully understand. Now is the time, the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Some people are going to say when they're older, when they're gone from this life, boy, I wish I would have done more for the Lord. Hey, why don't you follow this woman's example? Why don't you do what you can do for the Lord now? Why wait? See, Jesus commends her. And then I find here that Jesus commemorates her. But notice, and this is, this is a great part of the passage, notice the correlation. In other words, what's this all about? I'm going to tell you something. We need to remember this passage. Now, it's interesting because Jesus talks about the gospel here. And many times, I've gone to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and the Bible records what is the gospel, the good news. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And a lot of times I hear people, myself included, give invitations. We talk about the gospel, giving out the gospel. But I don't really see the gospel in this passage. And so what, that brought my mind to think about what did Jesus mean? Well, here's what I came to. And maybe you agree, maybe you don't agree. But I believe that Jesus meant that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is only effective as it flows through a broken life. A life that realizes what God has done. This woman came. You know why Jesus meant so much to her? Because of what he had done for her already. Jesus hadn't been crucified yet, but he was going to Calvary. He was going to give himself for her. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. That ought to excite you to think about the fact of how much Jesus loved you. He loved you in that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. And I see this woman coming. See, whenever the gospel has an effect on someone, you know why it's affecting their life? Because it's coming from something that has been broken. Remember how, look, she came in, nobody noticed her. She was just some woman that came in the house. 
But when she broke that alabaster box, that aroma, that odor filled the room. And that's what we need to think about this morning. No one could smell that perfume until the box was broke. But once it was broke, oh, everybody knew she was there and everybody knew what she had done. Would you allow God today, would you allow God to break your life? I'll tell you what Job testified. Look there in your notes. Job said, I was at ease, but he hath broken me asunder. He hath also taken me by my neck and shaken me to pieces and set me up for his mark. You know what God has for you? He has a plan. That's what God's mark is for you. God has a plan for your life. He wants to use your life. And really, the moment you got saved, God has a plan. God wants to use your life. God wants you to be in heaven someday. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish. You know why? Because he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God doesn't want anybody to spend eternity without him. God wants to use your life, but God can only use your life if you're willing to be broken. Are you willing this morning? Going back to the true story about the Lady Elgin, remember Ed Spencer? Ed Spencer was laying there in that hospital, and I don't know how long you can go read the account yourself if you want to, and there's a lot more information, but he was there, and He got out of the hospital and he spent really the rest of his life in a wheelchair. People that visited him, family and friends, they'd come. They'd be there with Ed and they they would try to talk to him. And from time to time, his mind would kind of drift off. He'd kind of get a glazy look. And his family or his friends, they would kind of nudge him on the arm. They'd try to get him to kind of come out of it. They'd they'd say, Ed, Ed, what are you thinking about? And Ed would say those words, did I do my best? He just couldn't get that out of his mind. Did I do my best? They say that somewhere along the way, I don't know if it was while he was in the hospital after he got out, that someone, and maybe it was a mistake on Ed's part, but Ed made this statement. He said, no one... No one ever came back and thanked me for saving their lives. 18 people. Not one of them ever came back. Now, if you think about that, and I sat there and thought about that this week, the only reason that those people had a life, the only reason they had a future, The only reason they could have children and could enjoy their golden years was because of Ed Spencer. Because Ed was willing to give of himself. And not one of them could take maybe half an hour to go thank the man that had done so much for them. Years went by and there was a songwriter. He was kind of just trying to decide, looking for maybe an inspiration to write a song. And this songwriter heard this story that I've told you this morning. And he sat down from the testimony of Ed Spencer and he wrote this song. I wonder have I done my best for Jesus, who died upon the cruel tree, to think of his great sacrifice at Calvary. I know my Lord expects the best from me. 
The hours that I have wasted are so many. The hours I've spent for Christ, so few. Because of all my lack of love for Jesus, I wonder if his heart is breaking too. I wonder, have I cared enough for others? Or have I let them die alone? I might have helped a wanderer to the Savior, the seed of precious life I might have sown. How many are the lost that I have lifted? How many are the chained I've helped to free? I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for me? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'm going to ask you with no moving around this morning, but I want to ask you this morning, what are you doing for the Lord? Are you doing all that you can? This woman did what she could. She had that alabaster box. Are you doing what you can? Say, Pastor, what can I do today? Well, according to the Bible, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you can get saved today. If you're already saved, then maybe what you can do is say, Lord, I surrender all. And you can surrender your life to whatever God would have you to do. And you can also say, Lord, I, I know you as my Savior, but I haven't been serving you. You can serve the Lord today. Whatever it is in your life, Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning to choose to do all that we can. This woman, we don't know a lot about her, but what she did, it meant so very much because you knew her life and her life had been broken because of what you had done for her. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have a, a heart that is pleasing to you today. Whatever it is that you're speaking to us about, Lord, may we respond. May we be willing in Jesus' name. Would you stand?